Well, um, we're going to have ministry time afterwards, so if uh, any of you have words of knowledge, prophetic words, we're going to have a time where we can come up, share them with people, and just allow God's glory to touch, um, because that's the body ministry. Um, I'm actually exhausted, to be honest with you. I I actually probably want to fall asleep just now, because I was up all night dancing. <laughs> but not in the way you think. <laughs> it was like really strange, you know. Um, sorry, this may be a bit loud. Eh? Uh, so it was really strange because I went to bed and about two o'clock in the morning, the Holy Spirit woke me up. And I'm like, oh no, not another sleepless night. And so I kind of go, try to go back to sleep. And I, and I just got caught up in this sense of God's presence. It was, it was really strange. and uh, um, Well, not strange, but it was great. And, you know, um, I'd been reading something from a guy called Richard Raw, who's, a, 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 I think, a monk or something. I don't know. But, uh, but he, I read one of his kind of um, uh, daily devotions, and he was talking about the, um, the dance of the Trinity. Now, I know you've heard this before. You know, they call it the Perichonitsa. Perichoresis, okay? It's a Greek word. And, um, and he was talking about this, and he was saying, I was reading this book about, it says, what the mystics knew. Now, you know, in the Middle Ages, there were Catholic mystics. They were very, well, there was only the Catholic and the Orthodox Church at that time, but there were mystics that would go away and, and seek the Lord. And, you know, they, they, they had very uh, kind of ecstatic encounters charismatic type encounters with the Lord. Uh, it's quite amazing, actually, if you read some of their, their books, you know, you realize that the Spirit was moving even in those days when we think it was the dark ages. Actually, they weren't that dark, okay? There was a remnant reserved for the Lord, and they were moving. And, and even in the ortho, early Orthodox Church, the early church fathers of the Orthodox Church, which we now call the Eastern Orthodox Church. They, they had this concept of this, this dance of the Trinity, this dance of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dancing in this perichinesis, okay, and uh, a, a, a dance of love, an eternal dance of love. And, the, and what Richard Raw said in his book, he said, the interesting thing about the mystics, they believe, now I'm not... I'm putting this out provocatively, okay? So, <laughs> but they believe that we are called... We, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, are called to be the fourth person of the Trinity. Now imagine, now you think about that. If we are the bride of Christ and we are joined together with Christ, then eternally we're joined into that dance of worship in the Trinity. Union. Now, I've never heard that before. I don't know theologically if it's correct, so don't shoot me down, okay? But I'm saying it just something caught in my spirit. And I find myself last night, like, dancing in my dreams. And I was like, no, I want to go to sleep. And it's not, no, you are asleep. <laughs> but you're dancing, and I was just dancing. Now, I've got a very good Greek friend. One of my best friends is Greek since I've been 13. We've been going to Greek dancing. You know, like, hoopla! And you know, in Greek dancing, you very rarely dance by yourself. It's always in community. Lomi in a, in a circle. We went to a Greek wedding um, in uh, uh, Georgia about two months ago with my friend's daughter, got married. 
And there was this dancing, and these guys are dancing, you know, together, round and round. And, you know, one of the Hebrew words for worship is to spin. It's to spin round and round. You know, and the Greeks say, like, spinning, hoopla, hoopla. And, and it's this dance of love, and it's actually prophetic. Because, you know, the Orthodox Church, that's what they do when they dance at weddings. It's a sign of the bride of Christ. Dancing in this peritonesis, because it's a theological concept that represents the Trinity. And that's what was happening to me last night. So I woke up, actually, Lord, I can't dance anymore. You know? <laughs> but what the Lord was saying in that, Gary, the, imports, the important message these days is, is that my people have union with me. You know, we, we heard just now about the breaking of chains. Or the unlocking, Jonathan said. Believe that unlocking is this unlocking of this uh, uh, truth that actually through Christ we have union with God. We are one. You know, we, we're not distant anymore. God's not somebody that we have to call down from heaven like a pagan God. You with me? That we are actually one. That we, and we heard the young lady talking about communion, saying the mystery, the mystery. Actually, in Colossians uh, 1.27, it says the mystery that is being longing to be revealed through the ages, through which the prophets and, and uh, uh, the saints were longing to receive. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's the mystery of the ages. We have union with Christ. We abide in Him and He abides in us. You with me? So we can dance. We can have that, that joy. You see, sin used to, you know, under, under the old covenant, sin separated. But not anymore in the new. Don't get me wrong. Sin's not good, people. I'm not here promoting licentiousness. But I'm saying the issue of sin and separation has been done away with. Amen. Amen. Through grace. And so we can enter into this divine union. Um, you know, in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, you know, they were worshiping the Lord in the temple and the glory fell. Amen. And the fire fell. Guess what? Everybody left. Because under the old covenant, they dare not enter the temple when the glory was there. Everyone left. But in the new covenant, we enter the throne room of grace boldly. Boldly, knowing that we, we, we are holy. Like you said, not be through our own works, not through our own righteousness. We are holy. Our sin no longer stands against us. So we can enter into this throne room of glory. Our place is to be in the glory. We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. Isn't that what the Word of God says? We're seated in the glory. The glory is something that is in us, and we are in it. Amen. This is such good news. I get so excited. I, I tell you, I love my own preaching. I told you that before. <laughs> See, we participate in the divine nature. Do you deny that? You have a divine nature. That old nature was put to death on the cross, and we have God nature. Now, it's not just me saying that. Peter says it, 2 Peter 1.4, that we are participators of the divine nature. We are in union with God. We dance that dance of love and grace spinning Woo! amen <laughs> it's joyful that's not to say we don't suffer actually glory is linked to suffering by the way you know we we do suffer we do go through pain we go through hardships of life but in the midst of that christian maturity is about having joy in the midst of suffering 
Amen. Because we know we have union with God. We know these frail bodies are wasting away day by day. But in the spirit, we are being renewed from one degree of glory to the next. Woo! That's uh, exciting, man. That's how, I wa- that's, how I, that's, how, that's how we want to live. And you know what? Glory. I, I, the reason I chose this uh, passage today from uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says the grace, this is uh, Paul's greeting or end greeting or goodbye to the Corinthian church, was the grace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship or presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And what the Lord said to me, he said, Gary, this is a foundation, a f- three foundational truths for us to, to understand that we can move in the glory. That we can move, and the glory, by the way, is the manifest, one of the definitions of glory, is the manifest presence of God. Manifest. In other words, when we stand up and minister, we expect God's presence to manifest through us. Amen. And to touch the hurting world out there, to touch people's lives. And I don't know about you, but I see everywhere I go in the church, people are hungry again for the manifest presence of God. You with me? It's, 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 it's lovely to worship God. And that's one of the things that heralds in, that opens us up to presence and glory. It's wonderful to pray. It's wonderful to read your scriptures. It's, all those things are good. But without God pitching up in us and through us, it's like dead works. Because people want to see the manifest reality of this beautiful God we serve. Amen. And so, you know, today, uh, and Moses said to God, he said, show me your glory. Exodus uh, thirty-eight, eighteen. Show me your glory, Lord. And what does it say? It says, and the goodness of God passed by. The goodness of, you see, glory and understand that God is good are linked. See, if you don't believe God's good, then you disqualify yourself in yourself from receiving the glory, the touch of the glory. Because because you say, no, well, God's actually out to get me. God's not good. God's punishing me. God's, God's angry. God's bitter towards me. But actually, it's the goodness of God that opens up an understanding of glory. And as Moses saw, he saw that God was good. So the position that we have in the new covenant is that we are serving a good and loving God. Amen. If you want to know what God looks like, who do we look at? Jesus and the church who is the image of Jesus. Amen. So you want to look what the, what, if you want to know what God looks like, Jesus is the goodness of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God and, he, and he's wonderful and we love him. And we love him because he's so good and kind and loving and forgiving. And so the glory of God is, is, comes about when we understand the goodness of God. Now, in that passage with Moses, by the way, it says, God says, I will be gracious to who I will be gracious. So there's a link between the goodness of God and the grace of God. And this is something that the Lord's reestablishing in his church at this time, this position of grace. Because if you're in a position of law, you naturally disqualify yourself. Amen. Wow, I normally shout, but uh, yeah. is that okay? So if you're in a position of law, if, you, if you're into legalistic religion, then all that the law does is expose your lack of righteousness. 
expose your lack of qualification to move in the glory of God. That's, what, that's why, by the way, they couldn't enter the temple when the glory of God was, was there. Why the priests had to have a rope tied to them with bells on the end. So they'd crawl into the Holy of Holies once a year and be praying, Lord, don't strike me dead. Because they were under the law. And the law exposed their lack of righteousness. The law exposes sin. That's the purpose of the law, by the way. That's what it says if you study the scriptures. So the first foundation of moving in the glory of God and having the glory of God manifesting through us and in us is to know, Romans 6, 14, we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Okay, it's not to say the law's bad. The law is good for the purposes the law was given, to expose sin and self-righteousness and unholiness. The law was, expo- was given to drive us into the arms of Christ, to, to make us cry out for a new covenant that was not based on our performance, but it's based on the performance of the cross. Grace is all about Jesus and the cross. So the first position is, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I want to say that to you now. May that grace be with you. If you are bound in law, may you come free. May that unlock, set you free from the law. He's come to set the captives free and release from darkness the prisoners. Isaiah 61, we think that's about demonic oppression. I'm telling you it's about the law that gives powers and authorities rights over us. We are liberated from the curse of the law. We're liberated from the disqualifications of the law. And now we are perfectly qualified in Christ through grace. This is if we're born again. Amen. To minister in the glory of God. To expect God's presence in us to flow out of us like a stream of living water. And this excites me because I know it's not based on me. You with me? It's not based on my doing. It's based on my being in Him. It takes the pressure off. (laughs) It's good news, man. So the position has to be grace because grace is about our qualification in Christ. And we see actually, if we're going to look just briefly at the end now, just now at 2 Corinthians 3, where it talks about the law having a fading glory. Do you know that? See, the law has a glory, but it fades. And sometimes, you know, I remember in the, in the, you know, the, the glory of God actually in the Old Testament was the weight. It's like, it's like the, the presence was like a weight, a weighty thing. You could come into a place and you could feel the presence of God, the weight of God, the, the, the glory, the splendor of God. And I remember in, the, in, the early, in 95, 96 when there was that Father's blessing, that whole move going on. I remember to go in meetings at Westfield with Dave Phillips. I remember walking in to the room and you'd walk in, and it was almost like there was a line. You'd walk in, and you'd go, oh, boom. <laughs> it was like something like started like come upon you, but in a, in a good way, not in a bad way. It wasn't oppressive. It was like, wow, the presence of God. And people would fall down. Very biblical. Actually, you know, when the glory came in the temple, they fell down. They worshipped. They were, they were overcome by the presence of God, the weight of God. People, and, and, and that transformed lives. And that's how we want to, what we want to see happening here. Amen. It's what we want to see happening in every church. What we want to see when we go out on the streets and say, can I pray for you? And you touch someone and they, boom. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've seen it. I, I remember praying for someone who was in, in the occult. I remember lifting my hand and they flew across the room. <laughs> and it, I hit the wall. 
But <laughs> that I really want to. But it was like amazing. I was like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> it was crazy. So, so, you know, we've had visitations of the glory of God. But I want to just say, I believe the Lord is bringing us into a position as we seek His face, as we, it says, as we behold Him face to face, we become more like Him. And we, and, and we receive the glory that He's got. Jesus said, you know, in, in John 17, He said, Lord, may you, may, I've given them the glory that you gave me. He, Jesus gave us the glory that God has given Him. Amen. It's done. It's done. We just got to start moving in it. Amen. I was quite amazed when I heard that. May they be one as you and I are one. You see, there's that union again. That, that dance, that dance of love. So, the law has a decreasing glory, uh, glory, a fading glory. Now, with that whole move of the Spirit in the 90s, we saw it fade. We saw it fade. And I, I saw a personal, first-hand experience of that. And I saw it fade because people started putting rules and regulations and principles in place. Instead of seeking the face of God. You, you with me? People found it offensive because it was messy. You, you understand? And the glory faded because where there's law, it means man controls. It's about man controlling, man deciding what's good, what's bad. But where there's the spirit, something else happens. Amen. So then the dance is also a dance of love. So in that passage it says, May the... May the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, may the love of God. Is my time up? No. <laughs> what time do I have to finish? <laughs> 20 past? <laughs> so may the, may the love of God. So another foundation which the Lord's taken us back into is we, we heard it from uh, Norman just now. Is God wants us to know He's Abba Father. Daddy, He, he, he wants us to come and sit on His lap. He want, that nothing prevents us anymore. The sin issue is taken away. The sin issue is cancelled. It says, he says he no longer judges us according to our, our sinful acts. He remembers them no more. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be in trouble. Not that I intentionally sin, but sometimes I slip up. <laughs> but you see, that's not the issue anymore with God. The issue is, do you believe in my son? Are you, are, do you have union with my son? Are you part of the bride? Are you, have you given up your self-life? And given your life over to me to live in the power of the Spirit. So, so, so the next foundation that we have to establish in ourselves, in this church, in churches, and in people is that God is love. And perfect love drives out fear. Jo, uh, 1 John 4, 17 to 19, you can read it. It says, the perfect love of God drives out fear. Now, I always used to think that that was my fears. My fear for the future. Are you with me? My fear, am I going to be successful? Am I, is my family going to be okay? Now, those fears are legitimate, and yes, God said, but let me tell you, I believe that that scripture is referring to the wrong fear of God. Now, let me say, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? We, we, they need, we need to come to a point in our lives where we fear, like God is awesome, God's amazing, God is all-powerful, and, 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 and we have that fear, and then we come to repentance because we realize that we fall short. But as born-again believers in union, that wrong fear of punishment, because it talks about in that John passage about fear of punishment. 
God's out to get me. God's out to punish me. Okay, that fear must be taken away through the blood of Jesus. That we approach the throne of grace boldly to get the help we need. Not, not Lord, I'm going to come to your throne of grace and you're going to, uh, I'm going to be so afraid to talk to you because you're going to find fault with me. That fear is taken away, people, and the perfect love of God drives out that fear. So we now, in this new covenant, under the old covenant, you need to be fearful. Because under the old covenant, I put before you blessing or curse, life or death. If you don't perform, curse, death. You, you understand? Under the new covenant, it's grace upon grace. So the love of God actually drives out that fear and puts us in a position of grace. God's favor, cherish, okay? That sin no longer separates. Sin harms, but it no longer separates. Okay, we will separate, but no longer does God separate. So the whole restoration is this union with, with God. And if you have union, if you're married, and you have union, you're married. Amen. Husbands, how many of you sin against your wives now and again? None of you. I'm glad. Wives, <laughs> how many of you sin against your husband? We all sin against each other. You're with me as husbands and wives. That doesn't mean to say we're not married. You understand? That union stays the same. You have to work through those things. But we have union with Christ. We're married to Christ. And we are part of this uh, 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 beautiful picture of a bride. And when we get it wrong, God doesn't cut us off. He restores us, as we do in our own marriages. So love qualifies us. Love brings union. And love has made us righteous. Again, this young lady, wonderful preach, <laughs> wonderful message. We are righteous by grace, not through our own efforts. We become the righteousness of Christ. And love, he, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. You want to fulfill God's commandment? Love one another. For this is the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets. Okay, John 13, 34. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. If you do that, you fulfill all the Ten Commandments, you fulfill all the law, you fulfill all the prophets. So we are a community of love. And that we need to be founded on that love. To finish, the, second, the third part of the dance is that we have fellowship of the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Fellowship, kononia. Okay, so may the, uh, may the fellowship, the participation, the sharing, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. That final bit is glory living is about living by the Spirit. Amen. Okay, it's not living by rules and regulations. Let me tell you, if you live your Christian life by rules and regulations and techniques and principles, even biblical ones, you don't need the Spirit of God. And we see that in many churches. There's it's just legalism. There's not a dependence on the Spirit. Paul says we are called to live life in the Spirit and by the Spirit. Okay? And if we look at 2 Corinthians 3, 6-18, to 18, it's just to finish off. <clears throat> this fellowship of the Spirit brings increasing glory. Okay? The law, as I told you, the law brings a fading glory, and that's why we see so many revivals fade. But the fellowship of the Spirit, the fellowship of grace, brings an increasing glory, and that's what we need. And that is one of the reasons why God is reestablishing in the church these foundations of grace and love. So it says this, it says, um, 
2 Corinthians 3.7. I'm sure someone has taught on this if you're teaching about glory. Now, the ministry that brought death, which is the law, engraved on letters of stone. Only the Ten Commandments were engraved on letters of stone. So it's a ministry that brought death. I mean, imagine that saying, I've got a great ministry. I'm going to bring death today. Preach the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so if the ministry that brought death came with glory, so the old covenant had glory. We saw signs and wonders and miracles, but it was fading so that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory fading though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit, so there's this contrast between the ministry of the law and the ministry of the Spirit. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Amen. Everyone say amen. 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 Okay. Charismatic church, ministry of the Spirit be more glorious. <laughs> if the ministry that condemns men was glorious, okay, the law condemns people. How much more... Glorious is a ministry that brings righteousness. Woo! We come and we bring righteousness, a message that you are right with God. For what was glorious had no glory in comparison to that surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory that will last? The ministry of the Spirit is a permanent ministry. Okay? Therefore, since we have hope, we are very bold to keep... um, uh, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to stop the Israelites from gazing on it while the radiance was fading away. The reason Moses hid his face is because the glory was departing. Huh? It was going, because Moses represents the law, by the way. But their minds were made dull for this day, for the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. Guys, if you read out the Old Covenant and preach the law, it puts a veil over people. They cannot see the glory of God. They're not allowed to see the glory of God because they are unrighteous according to the law. It has not been removed because only Christ has taken it away. We can see, someone was saying, they opened their eyes earlier, that we will see. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when everyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Woo! Freedom, Lord! (laughs) And we, who with unveiled faces reflect, we reflect the Lord's glory. We like mirrors. His glory, we look, we behold Him, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfect, and His glory hits us and bounces off us like a mirror. Amen. I'm telling you, when I got into a place where there's darkness, I just, I just know something's going to happen. And I, and I say that humbly, because not me, but because the glory of God's reflecting off me into that darkness. And demons will flee. <laughs> so if you're a mirror, <laughs> if you're a mirror, okay, then, then, and you're looking at Jesus, who do they see? Like what you said earlier, they see Jesus. So I want you to, from now on, start seeing yourselves as mirrors. Okay. Mirror doesn't look at itself. It reflects the glory of the one who it's facing towards. Okay, and that's us. That's our ministry. So we are being transformed into his likeness, into the likeness of Jesus, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Wow, this is great. So guys, you know, as you guys like are now embracing the glory... 
you know, looking for the presence of God. So we're going to live with an expectation of increasing glory and glory and glory and glory and glory and glory and Jesus' likeness more and more and more as he flows out of us as we reflect his, his image. And that can change the world. We can change the world. He in us and us reflecting him can change the world. The presence of God is only the presence that will bring lasting change and transform communities and transform hearts. But it starts with us knowing and believing that everything that disqualified us, everything that made us unworthy, all sin has been taken away and dealt with under the grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we are perfectly qualified and perfectly expectant of God to move in us and through us. Romans 8.19, just to finish, says, The whole of creation is in decay. I mean, people, we see it all around us. You know, every day, you know, things happen. And we think, oh, Lord, like what is going on? The whole of creation is in decay. But it's saying it's longing for the children of God to be manifest upon the earth. And we're in that time now. Believe we're living in a very special time in history when God is going to start and is already manifesting His presence through us and in us and change the world. We need to get out there on the streets. We need to get out there into the schools, into our workplaces. And when we go, it's not like, is the Lord going to pitch up? No, the Lord's already in us and we're already in Him. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let me just pray. So we're going to, uh, there'll be time of worship now. And then afterwards, if you want prayer, come forward and we'll just pray for the, the, the presence of God, the Spirit of God to touch you. And to, if you need healing, we'll pray for healing for you. So Father, I pray that this beautiful picture of this dance established in grace and in love and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would take hold of our hearts and we'd realize who we are in Christ to display Jesus to the world out there. Because actually, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about us reflecting you and us being in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, (laughs) for your touching presence. Amen.